Here he comes. Here comes Speed Tanner. Here's the Tanner on the chair. <sighs> Hi, welcome to Bomb Squad Movie Night, episode number... I don't know. I am your host and master of ceremony, Speed Racer, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Skull Duggery, but my enemies call me Zoomer Slick. I'm Rex, secretly Speed's older brother who ran away from home years ago and is ready to protect Speed. I am John Goodman. I'm Rain, I did not prepare a good joke. Alright, and we have a very special guest joining us today for the first time. I'm Joshua, me. I do the thing, I'm Joshua Ray, and I guess I'm Jack from Lost, except on this timeline, I'm in Speed Racer. We have to go back, That's right. We have to go back, guys. See, I got that bit real fast. Josh, Josh, what, what do you do? I'm a programmer for Cinema St. Louis, editor and co-founder of thetakeup.com. We have a podcast, too. It's not as good as yours, but... Maybe I'll steal some ideas while I'm here. All right. There Don't let that go to your head, so. All right. And a uh, film critic for KMOV, too, so. I do too much. That's right. We have a real film person on here. Today we're talking about Ethan's going to actually kill me when this is done. Uh, the Best Wachowskis film, A Speed Racer from 2008, a classic. But before we get into that, I actually, uh, for our warm up question, Speed Racer is a guy that races. Uh, so for our opening question, I'm going to ask you what's your favorite movie about a fast feller? Austin, we'll start with you. Oh, wow, I could have said Redline. I'm not going to say Redline. Uh, this isn't my favorite movie about a speed demon, but I'm going to bring up a forgotten classic that has a lot of parallels to today's film. From its cutting-edge editing and its optical effects to its high-octane subject matter, the 1966 John Frankenheimer film Grand Prix could be considered the original avant-garde racing blockbuster. Its plot is serviceable, telling the story of four race car drivers who all get their lives thrown out of whack by the dangerous sport, but anybody who sees Grand Prix will tell you the visuals are what makes this film stand out. For the time it was made, the first-person camera car shots, the heavy use of split-screen, and the risky low-flying helicopter shots help this movie stand out and win three Academy Awards. Not to mention, this is from the brief 15-year-long period between Oklahoma and the Last Valley, where large format films were like the hot ticket in town. So these crazy fucking visuals were captured in Super Panavision 70mm, the analog equivalent of probably 8K or higher. So hopefully, someday, this forgotten masterpiece will get a 4K UHD release so that modern audiences can feel the rush that people felt seeing it 57 years ago. But hey, if we can't even get today's movie from 2008 in 4K, what real hope is there for an old Frankenheimer movie? Back to you, Tanner. The magic of early uh, digital camera cinema, Austin. Rain, I expect you have an excellent answer prepared. Do I have the best answer? No. Do I have the funniest answer? Maybe. So I think the most appropriate answer would be Crank 2 High Voltage. It's sort of somewhat kind of similar to Speed Racer, a um, visually inventive film that um, I think has its priorities straight in the sense it's just trying to create something that's fun, bouncy. Basically, just some people just like, hey, let's make the most fun movie ever and be creative about it, not worrying about how it's going to be perceived, which uh, I think there's something neat about that. Tim, how about you? Uh, my favorite movie about a fast feller is Tetsuo the Iron Man. I mean, you just watch it and that, that guy is speeding through Tokyo so fast. I'm kidding. I guess since Austin left uh, Red Line on the table, I'll go ahead and say Red Line. It's probably my favorite racing movie. It's just such an incredible work of animation. Gorgeous to look at. Uh, it's one of the inspirations, I think, to the anime Space Dandy, which I love. If you like anime, 
or even if you don't like anime, if you want to watch something that's just really fucking fun, go watch Redline. Back to you. Gory Rider, you motherfucker! Excellent, excellent pick. Ethan, I'm excited to hear what obscure movie from the 70s you picked from this. It's probably going to be Redline uh, is is my actual favorite, but since Tim already mentioned that, I'm going to cheat and do uh, sort of two. One, one is the Running Man segment from uh, the film Neo Tokyo slash Labyrinth yeah, Tales, yeah. Uh, which is a, a great Rintaro picture. Uh, and it was a sort of favorite segment that was included on like liquid television on MTV back in the day. Um, Yoshiaki Kawajiri, uh, uh, Vampire Hunter D, Bloodlust fame, Wicked City, Ninja Scroll role, just super stylish, really impressive, very visceral, like it, it helps you really feel the impact of speed. Um, in terms of an actual feature vehicle, though, it's absolutely going to be, for me, kind of an odd one because it's live action. The 1975 Paul Bartel film Death Race 2000. I really <laughs> like that movie. It's so fun and goofy. It's one of the rare times you get Sylvester Stallone as a villain and he's so over the top and having so much fun with it as uh, Machine Gun Joe. Chicken in a basket. Chicken in a casket. Of course, David Carradine is, is great in it with his, his all-leather outfit and his the, the literal hand grenade. And the actual races are a lot of fun. It was supposed to be kind of like a knockoff or like taking advantage of rollerball, but it's so much better. It's so much more smartly scripted and fun overall. Um, just a really great film uh, that I love a lot. All right, great answer. Uh, Josh, I'm excited to hear what answer you got prepared for us here. Well, uh, because I'm the guest, I'm cheating. First, I want to say, I thought you all were talking about the 1966 film Redline 7000, which is a late <laughs> Howard Hawks film starring James Caan. It is a soap opera about <laughs> the racing world. It is like if Speed Racer didn't have any drugs in his system and was just completely sedate for a couple of hours. It's a good movie. It's a movie that Quentin Tarantino talks a lot about as it being one of his favorite Howard Hawks films. So that is an endorsement. But what you're describing is not something I had in my head. And I was like, these guys are like wild. Red Line 7000. <laughs> and now you're going to see the magic that I do. I'm going to reference something that happened before we started recording. I believe, was it Tim? who was talking about having a Pulp Fiction poster on his wall. Yeah. So I used to have a death proof poster on my wall as <laughs> okay. oh, yeah. man Mike. Of, of course I would pick the fast fella movie that's mostly women talking. <laughs> I love that movie. I think it has the best what 20 to 30 minutes of just pure action filmmaking. That's not my answer, though. I'm sorry, I'm taking up too much time. My favorite fast fella is this guy in Drive My Car. Rusuke Hamaguchi's Drive My Car. That's about, uh, what, Uncle Vanya, theater, and grief for three hours. So I guess the she's actually the fast fella. So <laughs> that's my official answer is Drive My Car. Uh, I, you know, I agree completely. When I think of Drive My Car, I think of fast action. <laughs> no, it's a good movie, though. It's a good movie. My answer to this movie is my favorite movie about a fast feller is Bo is Afraid. Yeah! Got him. 
My actual answer to this is a, is a very uh, big stretch of the definition, but this is a movie or a movie franchise about people that are fast and furious. My answer is Furious 7 from 2015. A very fun, emotional movie that I can't wait for the 10th movie of the franchise. I can't wait to see how more off the rails this franchise can go. Speaking of off the rails, though, this movie we're talking about, Speed Racer, ain't on rails at all. Let's just get right into it, starting with Ethan. I'm going to keep this brief because uh, I'm going to elaborate on my thoughts on this and in a later thing coming to the channel. Ooh, how exciting. But I think this is a really wonderful film overall. Uh, more than that, it's a really wonderful adaptation on several levels. It compresses a lot of the boys adventure sort of material from the original anime, heightening the melodrama even like it revels in it and is willing to explore that even further, which is in pretty impressive for like a 60s anime, which are already sort of operating at a peak level of, of high melodrama throughout particularly vis-a-vis -vis Rex Racer, and in the original, he just ran away from home, and this, he, you know, purportedly dies. Ooh. And it's all sort of packaged in this mostly gorgeous, uh, sometimes not, but highly distinct and very aesthetically unique package from two, you know, real visionary auteur figures in the world of film. Again, like, as, as I mentioned sort of in brief, there's there's some stuff to not like vis-a-vis, -vis, uh, like, the daytime effects shots are kind of weak, but I do love even more than, than some of the brilliant CG work on the, like, the vehicles and uh, digital camera work and all that. There's uh, just some remarkable performances, and there's some remarkable stuff uh, with compressing space uh, and, like, uh, using motion graphics. I think it just has this incredibly unique sense of style. Um, it sometimes maybe calls a bit too much attention to itself, but it's never hideously distracting, particularly not nearly as much as a lot of contemporary critics claimed. Uh, reading rev old reviews of this is profoundly upsetting. Um, like it's like because most critics will launch with I usually complain about how movies aren't very like a lot of science fiction genre fare of the day isn't very colorful and exciting. Uh, but this is way too colorful and exciting. And it's like, well, what do you want here? Come on. But no, um, I think there's. There's uh, just so much to like, and I'm sure we'll discuss this further later. Uh, so I'll leave it to the rest of you. Tim! Uh, that is kind of crazy uh, how they're kind of complaining about everything's not colorful enough, but this is too colorful. Like, I feel like things have gotten less saturated in recent media, so it's like almost insane to think 15 years ago that that was a thing but my, my thoughts on this movie uh, I think it's a real fun time I have some familiarity with uh, the original anime I watched it back when it was on Funimation it might still be on I don't know but um, I have some familiarity with it and so seeing the characters in this movie was fun whenever I finally did get around to it I admittedly slept on it when it came out but um, I've watched it like four times now it's a, it's a good time we talked about uh a film called Animal World recently, which was also a live-action anime adaptation, and much like Animal World, this is a movie where the main character has to face the most dangerous villain of all, capitalism. Love, love to see that. The character dynamics are very fun. This sort of feels like almost the last relic of a sort of children's movie that you don't really see anymore, where, like, it's a very, like, hokey and over-the-top but, like, there's still some, like, adult stuff. There's, like, some violence. There's some swearing. There's some raunchy humor. I feel like you don't see that quite like this anymore. So it is nice to take a look back at uh, this movie. Get that weak shit off my track! 
I would say it's probably my third favorite Wachowskis. If you asked me like a month and a half ago, I would have said my favorite is The Matrix. But then I watched Bound, and Bound fucking rules. Holy shit. But uh, all great stuff. Go Speed Racer, go. Back to you, Tanner. Who shall I torture next? Rain! Ah, fuck. That's fair. Um, everything I have to say will be echoed by you guys, but uh, more eloquently. The one unique thing I'll say is um, I got to see the movie at midnight screening, and even the uh, the actor guy, lead actor, was there. Emil Hirsch was there? Quite the experience. This is um, a beautiful movie, a work of art. They don't make him like this anymore. They don't make him like this before. Fuck, I don't know. You know, just um, instead of my voice and my face, just show a um, thumbnail of, like, Patrick Willems' Speed Racer there, and I'll just take credit for everything he says. <laughs> All right, thank you, Patrick Willems. Let's uh, move on to the guest tonight. Josh, I want to hear you let her rip. Tanner, at the beginning, you said this is the best Wachowski film, right? That's my opinion. Your opinion is very correct, I thought that was going in a bad direction for a second. <laughs> I'm fun like that. But no, this is my very favorite of the Scissors films. And I think it is so brilliant. And it is sort of this art object worth studying that you can dig in deep with the incredible layers. What it most reminds me of, and Ethan was talking about this very thing, is the cinema that I love that's inspired by German expressionist theater, in particular Bertolt Brecht, where you're talking about distancing. So you're using the arch proscenium and the aesthetics within the arch proscenium to actually call attention to the actual work itself. And by doing that, you're creating tension between experiencing the art, which people are supposed to be identifying with, and what's actually happening in your mind, which is a conversation with the politics of the thing. And in particular, Douglas Sirk, who made 50s, as you might call them, women's pictures, as they did, then Imitation of Life, Written on the Wind, and All That Heaven Allows are the big three ones. And I don't know if anyone would have expected me to bring out women's uh, tearjerkers in relation to Speed Racer, but those films, what they're actually doing is sneaking in some very stealth and sharp critiques of society and the mechanisms that we set up to uh, oppress ourselves. And there's similar things in Speed Racer, but Speed Racer is mostly concerned about corporate personhood and the family unit. And it's so key that this came out in 2008 around the financial crisis uh, because there are huge layers around there. I mean, the ultimate victory in this movie, other than the, the climax, ends in the stuff tickers going over the face and it's just a really gorgeous moment and I could like really relish over all the aesthetic choices that are made in here and they're big choices had it been more successful it should have created a new cinematic language because it is working in a 3D aesthetic that has never really been used after borrowing from, you know, the original anime and everything. So for me, more than The Matrix, more than Bound, which I agree, um, if you listen to The Take-Up, we had an episode on Bound. Anyway, this is far and away the best thing they've ever done, and I'm generally a fan of their work. 
Great stuff. Um, man, I thought I was smart. <laughs> no, I think uh, it's particularly the Cirque comparison, because I, I don't realize, I've, the, particularly the shots of uh, Speed and Trixie in the car, uh, I don't know why that really does give me, like, all the Heaven's Al- Heaven Allows sort of vibes. It's the rear projection, but the Wachowskis are doing it in a new digital model. So it does recall a lot of that, but the way you're moving through the space is unlike anything any other film I've ever seen. It's, it's that weird combination of comic book aesthetics, almost, and and, and mm. the sort of classic Hollywood melodrama, and it's so wonderful. All right. Uh, Austin, you're going to have to follow that. Go ahead. Well, when I was younger, I used to only watch video game review shows, specifically X-Play on G4 TV, right? But I didn't get into reading film criticism or movie reviews until the day I saw Speed Racer. When I went home from that theater, I scoured the internet looking for people to celebrate the cinematic achievement with. I was expecting two thumbs up from Ebert. Paragraphs of praise from Richard Brody. I wanted Pete Travers to call this a watershed moment in the history of digital cinema. And to my shock, Speed Racer was getting shit on to the extent that I was wondering if I'd seen a different movie or something. Eventually, I I found the Spill.com review and decided, like, oh, these are the critics I trust, because sinister screenwriter C. Robert Cargill gave the film a full price rating. That's how my journey with film criticism began, feeling like a contrarian for loving Speed Racer. And don't get me wrong, there are films I unequivocally loved as a kid that don't hold up anymore. Secret of the Ooze, It's No Citizen Kane, (laughs) Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge, feels downright silly in hindsight. But the Wachowski sisters' Speed Racer film is still, in my opinion, opinion as someone who studied film production for four years, one of the most remarkable, unique blockbusters I have ever seen. Four years after this film's release, Lana Wachowski would talk to Drew McWeeny, spelling is correct, about their thinking making this vibrant kaleidoscope of cars, talking about how film editing is comparable to, like, written sentences, uh, with cuts being periods, dissolves being ellipses, and so on, and the sisters were using, a like, new advancements in digital technology to make Speed Racer have a cinematic language comparable to, like, the postmodern run-on sentences in the James Joyce Ulysses book. Beyond executing that larger concept in a spectacular fashion via creative transitions, the 11 VFX houses that helped make this stand out from, like, the other green screen movies, like, like Sin City and Sky Captain, they did a tremendous job pioneering new, unusual implementations of digital compositing that give this film a singular quality that's totally fucking unmatched all these years later. Like, using a bunch a heavily processed 28K resolution, 360 degree panoramic images stitched together to create the backgrounds, manipulating the shape of the iris on the digital camera to make it weird shapes like hearts, having layers of scenery rotating in 3D while being transformed through the frame along a 2D animation like like a high-tech cell, right? I absolutely lose my mind every time I see the zebra zoetrope on the edges of that racetrack. Beyond the technical hoo-ha, which you could probably write a whole book about, the plot of this movie speaks directly to my soul in a way that almost feels transgressive for a movie aimed at kids. A family whose religion is race car driving, who adore the sport so much that it's the thing that helps them carry on after their son's tragic death, fighting against this evil capitalist villain who reveals all the famous races they've grown up mythologizing were actually rigged from the start just to manipulate stock prices. It mirrors the reality we live in, where beneath the propaganda we believe to be true, 
truth, there's always some profit incentive manipulating world events, and our titular hero sets out to disrupt the status quo and eventually dethrone the oligarch for his history of corporate crimes. And when that final race hits its fever pitch and the montage begins, I cry every single time, and it feels beautiful watching him win. This may be number one on my list of most underrated movies of all time. I don't know what happened in our childhoods that made this movie click with our generation specifically, but hopefully someday Speed Racer will get the recognition it badly deserves. Uh, it's called that uh, the 90s kids are based and cool. <laughs> yeah! Pizza party! Mm. Ninja Turtles, alright, my time to shine, hello. I've seen this movie two times so far this year. I didn't uh, immediately rewatch it today in anticipation of this recording, but that's because I believe earlier this month or late last month, I got to see it in theaters. Ethan was there, and it was a wonderful time. Yes. I remember distinctly how Ethan pointed out how apparently if you drink ice out of a cup, the whole theater can hear it, and it just never occurred to me before. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Wow, seeing this on the big screen was uh, something special. There is so much about this movie to love. I The thing I always like to point to is just how completely sincerely earnest it is. When we did our episode on RRR last year, something I like to point it to as a sign of its greatness was how it wasn't afraid of the word cringe. Speed Racer, in a similar vein, is completely unafraid of the word cringe. You can argue that it maybe embraces it so hard that anything that's cringe becomes uncringe. I will elaborate on what I'm about to say again, in a later video for the channel, different from Ethan's later video, but when I was watching this in the theater, I made a realization. The climax of this movie, The Final Race, I think is legitimately my favorite movie climax of all time. Just the way it brings all of these little pieces that the entire rest of the movie has been dropping, it's like the entire movie was a puzzle leading up to that climax. And it comes into a head with all of this just bombastic lights, sounds. I mean, if you really want to get a, a impression of how I feel about it, there's a video on this very channel that is uh, them recording me watching the final race of Speed Racer when I didn't realize I was being recorded. And you can see my genuine reaction. My favorite comment about it is how people were willing to run through a brick wall because I did a fist pump in sync with the movie. It's a great, <laughs> fantastic climax. It's an amazing movie. It's probably in my top 10 favorite movies ever. It's my favorite movie of 2008. Get fucked, The Dark Knight. I love it so much. And that's all I have to say about that. We'll have more to say about Speed Racer after a brief commercial break. Can I have some of your milk, Speed? Hi. Thank you for watching that ad break. Here's another ad. Look at that. Ain't it purdy? Ain't it neat? Ain't it colors from a movie on a block of canvas? That's right. If you go to moviepalette.com, you can order your own Technicolor Wonderer. But before you hit that place order button, enter the code SQUAD15 for 15% off your order. Again, that code is SQUAD15. General discussion. Okay, here we go. So I'm someone, I uh, consider myself like my main creative focus is writing. The actual like visual aspect of filmmaking, you know, the actual composing the shot, yada yada. Not so much my speed, but even with that in mind, this movie really did like inspire me to really try and focus on just like the beauty of movies, really wanting to like try and like actually push the cinematic language like this movie does. What the fuck was everyone on in 2008? What was so wrong and broken about the cultural landscape that everyone rejected this? So I saw this in the theater in 2008 and did not like it. In its context, you are trained to not love this very genuine and I'm, I'm really glad you brought that point. My boyfriend said to me the other day, I'm calling something cringe is fascist and I said you know what? You're right. Because the, the willingness to go so 
so incredibly like naked emotionally is one of the great things anyone could ever do. It's a piece of personal disclosure to show that side of yourself. And they, are, the Wachowskis are so good at that. Throughout their career, something like Bound and then in moving into The Matrix. The Matrix is also so fucking emo. But Speed Racer, I think, and of course, Cloud Atlas, which is just like emotions, the movie. But um, Speed Racer is able to carry these two things, a big budget Hollywood filmmaking and a great emotionality uh, with just wells of emotion and carry them together in a way that was very similar to big budget filmmaking of the era I was referencing of the 1950s. But when you see something so incredibly alien, and this is, I think, why a lot of queer film critics and queer communities have gone back to Speed Racer is it was so alien at the time and looked Mm -hmm. so weird that it was just the most alienating experience seeing something like that and an assaultive experience too, which alienating and assaultive, that's what we queers are up to all the time. So, Oh, yeah. The whole film is sort of about, particularly at the start, with Speed being sort of othered by his peers because of his, his sort of single-minded passion towards racing. It is, in its in own way, about being othered and the few people that kind of rally around this one individual. Uh, you know, uh, Speed's ultimate rejection of, of the offer by Royalton and that desire to not fold himself in, even if it is pursuing a, a passion after a fashion. It's mm-hmm. really sort of the thesis statement of of the film, or one of several thesis statements. This film has a lot going on, but I think, yeah, you really hit on a point, particularly, especially why, like, queer audiences might glom into it, particularly, because it is about someone who is ostensibly straight. He is in a relationship with Trixie, as far as we know, but, you know, who is, you know, othered by his larger community. That is a queer couple, and that is canon, so you take that back. It just (laughs) feels queer. I see her eyes. Those are queer eyes. They're, they're both fine. <laughs> what you guys have been saying just now, I think just made a, a realization pop in my head. Because as an adult, I'm able to correctly identify all the like cinematic techniques that make me like this movie. But obviously, I didn't discover this movie as an adult. I, I never saw it in theaters as a kid, but I had a DVD copy that I used to watch all the time. And uh, specifically, I would watch that final race. But I would also watch the opening scenes of Speed as a kid all the time. And you guys just made me realize something. I think part of why I liked this so much when I was like a 10, 11, 12 year old kid is I totally identified Speed, at least in this movie, as being autistic. Yeah. Yeah. That's his special interest, that he's so single-mindedly focused on that. And you know what? He even had the same word used as an insult against him as I did as a kid. (laughs) Welcome to Therapy with Tanner. I've just made a major (laughs) breakthrough. I like Speed Racer because autism. And not as shocking as Good Will Hunting, you know, Will Hunting being autistic, but, you know. Uh, Iconic autistic characters in cinema. Um, uh, Speed Racer, Will Hunting... The Accountant with Ben Affleck. No, I think it's interesting how this film, um, speaking as someone who, you know, has seen seen a good chunk of the original television series, it borrows a lot of beats and characters and ideas like the mammoth car and um, Crusher Block. Like it borrows those sort of things, but it's not um, like a one-to-one adaptation of a storyline from the television series. But all the same, it captures, again, a lot of that spirit uh, in particular, because Speed Racer, despite its title, is, is frequently about more than just, you know, racing in like the traditional NASCAR sense. It's about these sort of cross-country tracks, more like it, it is 
is more in the fashion of stuff like Johnny Quest, in particular, you know, quote unquote, boys adventure material beyond, you know, the, the obvious uh, core melodrama and family interaction, because everything with the family here is great. I really like Susan Sarandon as Mom Racer and uh, Christina Ricci's great. Like she brings such energy uh, despite not being in this quite as much as I would like. Uh, I would think I would just like more of everyone in this, uh, though. That's the only thing. It's like I think everyone's really good. We need the, the four hour cut of Speed Racer. Yeah, yeah. Give, give us the Wachowski sisters uh, director's cut where they, they correct the credits so they're not dead anymore. I think you might overdose if you have four hours of Speed Racer. I don't think that's good for your health. I left caring about my health a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this this is a film that could kill an epileptic, potentially. <laughs> I, if I think if I were to ask everyone in this room their favorite moment in the movie, I'm pretty sure we would all just say the final race. So I'm curious, if you had to pick a favorite moment other than the final race, what would you pick? I think it's nice when Speed Racer Pistol whips a man. If I'm being honest, the, the opening where he's like in the classroom. Yeah, that's my real answer. But my joke answer is uh, I like the bit where uh, John Goodman beats up a ninja and calls him a ninja. I was actually going to say that unironically, Tim. That was going to be my unironic answer. Uh, I was going to say shout outs to the uh, keychain of uh, Pichon from Ron Mahaff, the, the little pig that shows Hell up yeah. in that fight sequence uh, that gets embedded in the wall when the keys are flung out of that ninja's pockets. No, my favorite scenes, uh, and this is this is pretty obvious, just because I think, A, they're very gorgeous, and I think they're just tender moments. We don't get a whole lot of time with, with Speed sort of spelling out, like, working through his thoughts um, outside of the racetrack, but just the moments with him and Trixie, where it's just those two talking, are absolutely some of my favorite moments in this film. Uh, they, they look incredible, and it really gives them a time to kind of decompress, uh, especially in a film which is generally just nonstop. Yeah, I, I love those moments. Yeah, and real quick, let's double back. Um, yeah, I was about to say, I don't think yeah. we ever heard Josh's answer <laughs> yeah. to the yeah. question. <laughs> Josh's answer is a non-answer, though, because the sensation of watching this is, I don't think of this film as, like, scene to scene to scene. Like, the boundaries are so blurry, and not because it's sort of literally that way. It's because it's a movie that you really experience, man. So I think about the textures in it. I think Ethan brought up the hearts irises in that first car ride with Trixie. When you see that, and the, the car is moving, spinning in a different direction from what they're traveling, which is really great kind of callback to what people might think of as some crudeness in the original animation, but the way that these planes shift and sort of mutate as you move along them and then when everything in the background goes into hearts I want to throw myself into the TV, I want to eat it <laughs> I want everything about it, but th there are other textures I think of like in the final race when everything just sort of comes in lines for speed which of course it would but it just looks so incredible and so different from other textures that are created in other races because I could see how people would think again rudimentary is the thing that comes up but if you really look at some of these the CGI work that they're doing there's incredible detail in those things and the thing that revealed it to me was the uh, purple car that seems to be made with a really cheap material, but it looks like cheap material that a cartoon would have. I don't know how to really describe it, but yeah, for me, it's just like the little textures, the things I want to reach out and touch in this movie. I was a kid, 
kids movie. I shouldn't say that. No, I, I completely get what you mean, uh, particularly the original Speed Racer, because the original Speed Racer, part of what they did was because you couldn't get really texture in, in like a tracing machine, like a Xerox to transfer line art directly to cell. This was pre that uh, introduction of that in the mainstream in Japanese animation. So instead, what they did was they used an airbrush to give it that sort of specularity, that sort of shiny effect, um, which is, is fairly distinct to this work. Once you move into the 70s, uh, they start using uh, hatching and that sort of thing because you can transfer it directly from the line drawing to the cell. And it's a lot easier than having an air, airbrush department. Uh, but Speed Racer does have that, and it's super distinct uh, the way it has that sort of shiny metal. And they translate that very well here, that sort of specularity, which is super impressive. All right. Uh, here we go. Tanner's Trivia Corner. Uh, there are some nuts trivia here, but we're going to start with some of the more simple stuff. Peter Fernandez and uh, Corinne Orr, who are the original English voices of Speed Racer, Racer X, and Trixie Spridal in the uh, English dub, are race announcers in the film. Fun fact, they actually did build a working Mach 5 car for the movie along with several other cars. All the driver scenes, however, were filmed with the actors sitting in a gimbal <laughs> in a race car cockpit with a computer uh, programmed hydraulic system. Pretty cool. This one's funny. Uh, Mr. Royalton, when he's showing off all of the wonderful things Royalton Industry has, says how the drivers need to be able to cope with speeds of up to four Gs. According to this IMDb trivia, theoretically, a merry-go-round could do that. Now we're going to get into all the alternate castings and alternate directors, starting with and the fact that in December of 1997, very briefly, famous director Alfonso Coran was actually attached mm -hmm. to direct this movie. This movie has been in development since the early 90s, so we're going to go through a lot of alternate stuff here. In June of 2004, Vince Vaughn was going to produce the movie and star as Racer X. However, while he was attached, production never became fully active, so he left the film. Uh, thank God. Some alternate castings for Speed Racer include uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he could have done it, Zac Efron, maybe, Shia LaBeouf, God no. Um, in October of 1994, Henry Rollins was offered the role of Racer X. Uh, in the same vein, there were two very famous ex actors that were attached to play Racer X. Keanu Reeves turned mm -hmm. down the role to play Racer X. And in the early 90s, Nicolas Cage was offered the role of Racer X. Both turned it down. And now we're going to get into some of the alternate directors. In September of 2000, Hype Williams was briefly hired to direct the script. And if you're anything like me, you read that and That's went, cool. who the fuck is Hype Williams? Apparently this person is mostly a music video director. So music video directors have been great directors. Michael Bay, David Fincher, one of those more than the other. I think he would have been a good fit. At one point during development, Julian Temple was attached to direct the film with specifically Johnny Depp set to star as Speed Racer. Very initially, actually, I don't know if you have this in your notes, um, but Richard Donner. Really? I didn't, I didn't have Donner attached. Yeah, in, the, in 1990, when oh. they were first discussing adaptation of it, but it uh, fell through because Tatsunoko didn't want to give up more rights to it, basically. They were approached directly to work on it. But yeah, Richard Donner, um, and they were approaching Warners, of course. I could see Donner doing this. His Superman movie is an exercise in sincerity. I think that sensibility would have translated well. I don't, yeah, I don't think it would have been as special, but I think no. he could have done a good job with no, it. No, I think it still would have been a good movie. It just wouldn't have been the special thing we got. Uh, now we're getting into the uh, the most fascinating person. After Julian Temple dropped out of the project, 
I don't know if this director was ever offered, but the one and only Gus Van Sant was apparently considered to direct this movie. I want to see that version. I don't know if it I would be good, so but I want to see it. Yeah. Have you ever <laughs> seen his adaptation of Tom Robbins' Even Cowgirls Get the Blues? This is his version of Speed Racer if you're talking about, like, methamphetamine ass speed. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, so it's basically the big black song, Racer X. And now, the final piece of trivia, which serves as both a piece of trivia and a warning. Apparently, at some point in the development, J.J. Abrams wrote a draft of the screenplay. I don't know if this was before or after the Wachowskis joined the project. That's not the warning part. Apparently, as of last year, he is currently attached and is the executive producer of a live-action Speed Racer TV series that's currently in development at Apple TV. I'm just going to say right now, it's going to suck. I actually like a lot yeah. of what J.J. Abrams has done, but that's going to suck and is going to be bad. They race now? They race now! Any speed racer without uh, live-action speeders, without the Wachowskis, I don't want it. I, the only person here that actually, I think, could have actually gotten the closest is the music video director, only because I feel like the Speed Racer movie has a lot of music video sensibilities yeah. to it. So yeah. I could actually see that person getting close. But otherwise, I mean, Gus Van Sant... What the fuck is Gus Van Sant's me? I can't get over that. Okay, let's uh, go ahead and move on to final thoughts. Austin, we'll start with you. You know, it, it took people a while to come around on The Shining, The Thing, Night of the Hunter. Maybe as time goes on, this film could have a future that's almost as bright as its color palette. I can only hope. Now please, Warner Brothers, release this in 4K already. It's all we want. National Lampoon's Van Wilder has a 4K release for fuck's sake. <laughs> Give us the LSD Kids movie in 4K, you fucking bastards. I echo that sentiment. Ethan. Maka go, go, go. Good. All right, Rain. This movie is so good. To repeat something I alluded to earlier, this movie is so good. It makes me want to, like, try and, and inevitably fail, but at least try to, like, make something, like, with this style someday, because it's just so great. We can only dream to fly so close to the heavens. Tim, how about you? Movie good, good. Movie good, good. Movie good, good, good. Josh, how about you? Final thoughts. I think I'm going to go watch Speed Racer again. <laughs> That's yeah. the strongest yeah. endorsement you can get after spending an hour talking about a movie. If you still want to watch the movie right after, that means it's a very good movie. What can I say that we haven't already said? Speed Racer is a masterpiece. It's my favorite Wachowski's movie. It's probably my favorite climax in a movie ever. It's um, just a marvel for the eyes. It's a new cinematic language. Everyone who shat on it in 2008, I'll see you in hell. But you know who else I'm going to see in hell? <laughs> you! <laughs> The person watching slash listening to this episode of Bomb Squad Movie Night. If you are listening to this episode on any of the audio platforms we're on, thank you oh so very much for um, listening. We really appreciate it. How about you go ahead and leave us a review? It boosts us in the algorithm, or it doesn't. It boosts my ego for sure, though. And Lord knows I need to be more egotistical. If you are watching this on Spotify video, we hope you enjoyed this very uncensored edition of Bomb Squad Movie Night. How about you mosey on down over to our Patreon? Because, hopefully, very soon, we're going to be uh, actually launching some real reward tiers. If you are yes. watching this on YouTube, thank you also very much for watching. Go down to the comment section below and let me know. Uh, what do you think of Speed Racer? What's your favorite live-action anime movie adaptation? You probably already said that in Animal World, but tell me I, I wasn't on that one. Okay, sorry, Tim. I'm stepping on your thunder. What's your favorite Wachowski's movie? 
And uh, finally, will you join me in the conquest to vanquish all the haters of this movie? Comment below and let me know. And while you're down there, hit the like button so we know how much you like us. Hit the subscribe button so we know how much you love us. And hit the bell icon so you know exactly when we upload new videos. Tune in next week uh, when we're discussing uh, a very violent movie, Evil Dead Rise. Should be a lot of fun. See you then, guys. Bye! That's the largest cobra I've ever seen. Oh. Can I have some of your milk speed?